it was wanting to take my own life and um and knowing that i felt like there's other people who feel that way um i land inside the shot hole and i'm looking up and i see dust and i see the moon i see the stars and i'm thinking to myself again what the f like what just happened i can't really breathe the first thing i do is i scream out i'm hit i'm hit I'm hit. During that time, like I can see myself slowly start fading. Like I knew my breathing was getting more labored and I was like, oh shit, like just make it to the bird. That's what I just kept telling myself, make it to the bird, which was a helicopter that was on, was on the way for me. Ralph and Jose, two incredible people that have been through a lot throughout their lives. Ralph lost both of his legs fighting for his nation in Afghanistan, whilst Jose will lose years of his life in the California Department of Corrections. Together now, they are the founders of We Are All One Story. Their mission is to help others remember and never forget that their life stories matter. This, ladies and gentlemen, is an incredibly touching episode. But without further ado, Ralph and Jose. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to The Grateful Show. Today, we have the honor to have with us Jose and Ralph. How is it going, guys? It's going great. Thanks for asking, brother. Yeah, very, very well. Uh, thank you again for reaching to us to come on our podcast. We are really grateful. And I know that it's actually a very uh, stressful and a very uh, busy period for yeah. everybody because there's, there are a lot of things going on with the coronavirus, with all the protests. So we're just going to try to keep everything positive. How are you coping with everything? Just, uh, you know, we made, it, we made it through the initial shock. You know, there was definitely an initial shock where... Um, Personally, it was kind of intense. You know, I immediately thought of my mom and my family, um, but we made it past that. You know, all my family's okay and everyone that I know is pretty much okay. So uh, we're definitely on the other side of it right now. That's what matters, right? Yeah. Family and the close ones. I, I wanted to ask both of you, uh, Jose, if you want to go first, what are you grateful for today? Um, well, just for today, today specifically, I'm grateful... Uh, to be able to wake up. I'm grateful to be alive. Um, today's one of the second times I actually went golfing today at mm. six in the morning. This is the second time I've ever golfed. So I'm pretty grateful for that. And I had a, a new driving club. So that the, was pretty small things, So that's what it? I got to do today. Yeah. The small things. What about you, Ralph? I'm just uh, grateful to be alive for another day. And then, you know, just, um, you know, another day to compete at life at the end of the day. Awesome. Well, I, I guess from... The most important thing uh, to begin with is um, if you could just briefly explain to our audience how did you guys start your whole movement, what it is about, a brief introduction of five minutes, and then from there we can just uh, carry on. So yeah, what, what me, Ralph, and my other brother, uh, Roger, do, um, we have this organization called We Are All One Story. What we do is we travel the U.S. and hopefully next year we'll travel internationally and mm -hmm. we listen to people's stories and we share them. There's no prerequisites for every, anybody to share their story. So it can be any person. It can be a CEO or it can be a homeless person. All the stories matter. And um, 
we make sure to reach out to as many people as we can. And if anybody reaches out to us who wants to share their story, we mm-hmm. go to them and we listen and then we share their story on our platforms, on our Instagram and our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, how we started doing that, I mean, we've started fairly, you know, recently, um, initially from the concept phase, that was about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And that came from... Um, uh, me, myself, not having, you know, I lost the value in my own story and um, yeah, to the extreme point where I wanted to take my own life. Uh, me and Ralph are roommates. Ralph is a Paralympic gold medalist. And, you know, I think we kind of went through a deep depression during the same time, but we didn't really talk about what was going on really? because we didn't really know what was going on. You were not aware, um, most probably, of it. Yeah, and um, I was in that depression and... Um, you know, really deciding if I was going to live or not. And finally, I just clung on to this idea that regardless of what I think of myself, what I've been through, what I've done, that I had inherent value as a person and therefore my story had value. Um, Once I had that thought, I verbalized that to Ralph and um, pretty much we haven't looked back. He was on board and we kept on going and um, we're here where we're at right now. Was it hard at the beginning to, to open up? Yeah, very hard. I mean, you know, it's just an idea. You don't see it. There's nothing you see in mm-hmm. front of you. Um, it's purely just a from an emotion to a mix of words to a thought to a plan to action to seeing it in physical reality. It's extremely hard. Um, you know, luckily I have not just one brother, another mm-hmm. brother who, you know, they're 100% on board. So during the time where we can't see anything and, you know, that's where you want to stop because you don't see anything. You know, we just talk and um, we just pretty much cheer each other on and keep on going. So that's the most important thing, I believe, just to be close one to another. So we're just going to support when hard times are going to come. Talking about this, I, I really wanted to dive a bit more into like what made you choose this specific mm-hmm. name for the movement? Because I feel like it's very powerful. I mean, if, um, you know, I did think, I thought my story meant nothing. So a key word that I would think about was story. And like I'm saying, it's an initial feeling from from wanting to take your own life to seeing that your life had meaning. And it's really just trying to word a feeling together that's inclusive. Mm -hmm. And it was just something that I would think about day and night. And finally, I woke up, I'm walking, I'm walking one day and I'm thinking story, 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 story. And just, we are all one story came. I came back, I told Ralph, I was like, yo, it's, <laughs> look, 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 listen to me. Ralph's going to be called, we are all one story. And um, he looked at me, he nodded his head, yes. He was like, man, <laughs> he's, he's serious. He's like, man, that sounds great. And You know what? That's really, really awesome because this is what happened with us as well. He came to yeah. me, exactly same situation. Yo, bro, I have this awesome idea. Let's do this. And I was like, Okay, the name is cool. The idea is cool. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. It says it all in the name as well. You know what I mean? What we're doing, like it's yeah, you're right. It, it's a good name, but it was a process. You know, it yeah. wasn't anything technical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you trying to achieve with all the movement? What's your, let's say, the furthest goal? I mean, Ralph, Ralph tell him your goal. You know, my goal is just to inspire people mm-hmm. to. Um, find the value in their story, especially from my point of view, because, you know, I had accomplished a lot of things in my life and I allowed other people to place the value in my story. And in turn, I lost the value of my own story. So by me sharing, you know, being a Paralympic gold medalist and a Purple Heart and, you know, having all these achievements and still not having 
that value of my story. I felt that it was important to share that with honesty and vulnerability um, so that other people can be like, well, I can do the same. You know what I mean? And I put myself out there all the way. Like, you, if you see my interview, I'm crying all over the place. Yeah, so, I've seen that. <laughs> uh, very, very you know what I mean? So I put it all out there. Yeah, very emotional, um, honestly. Thank you for listening so far, guys. I hope that you got a lot of value so far. Uh, it would mean the world for us if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. And if you have any inquiries, just please leave us a message on Grateful Aware. Now, back to the podcast. Were you always um, this capable of expressing your emotions or have you been to like some tough times that have then made you realize how important it is? As far as, you know, expressing, you know, myself, like I, you know, growing up where, where I grew up, I like was taught to bottle stuff, it, mm -hmm. uh, bottle things in and, you know, like kind of hold on. Like it was the manly thing to just, you know, throw your head through a wall pretty much. You know what I mean? And so um, 35 years of that, you know what I mean? And I went through a lot of trauma and stuff like that. And, and like I said, you know, winning a gold medal, thinking that was going to be the answer and then figuring out that it wasn't the answer and being like, well, what am I going to do now? Like, you know, and that's when I had to really look myself in the mirror and say, what is it that you want out of life? And, and, um, and, and pursue that with all my heart at the end of the day. Were you feeling lost when you were just looking in a mirror and trying to find the answer, but the answer wasn't there? You know, a lot of things were ego driven and, you mm -hmm. know, um, I just felt like I needed to accomplish so many things for people to, you know, recognize who I was. Mm -hmm. And so, Yeah, when I looked in the mirror and I was like, well, people are recognizing me now, but it's not what I wanted at that time. You know what I mean? I needed to recognize myself. And so um, as soon as I was able to do that, um, I'm able to pursue my goals for, for me and not for anyone else. And that's, you know, that's um, I'm grateful for that now. Very interesting. What about you, you Jose? What's your, your goal in life? Well, You know, my goal in life is we are all one story. So um, personally, I know how I felt when I lost the value in my own story. I know that at its extreme that, you know, it was wanting to take my own life. And um, and knowing that I felt like there's other people who feel that way. So at the very least, um, we're trying to connect with people and let them know that they're not alone. That as individuals are truly unique and their story matters always but there's millions of other people going through the exact same thing that they're going through um, that you don't have to stay in the house and bottle up your emotions and, and have those thoughts on your own, that it's okay to go outside and talk about what you're going through because at the end of the day, that's, what's going to save somebody's life. Yeah, true. You got to lead by example and you got to like, you got to express yourself so people know that they're not alone in what they're going exactly. through. Because, and you know, that as yeah. soon as that, as soon as me and uh, Jose started doing that, like it was just, it just became more comfortable. And I noticed mm -hmm. that other conversations I was having with other loved ones and stuff like that, it was easier to flow that way. Because mm -hmm. now I was used to expressing mm -hmm. my emotions and telling people how I really felt. And so, you know, my conversations with my parents and, you know, Uh, sisters and stuff like that, you know, the, the dynamic just changed so much. Ralph, I wanted to ask you, because uh, obviously our audience, knowing both me and Bogdan, we are both coming from like um, very sport-oriented uh, backgrounds, like we've both done fitness, martial arts, and I feel like it would be very worth um, diving a little bit more into the mindset that has got you into being a gold medalist, basically, because it's nothing 
usual, right? It's not something you hear regularly. You know, um, growing up, I had um, I had parents that had a really good work ethic, and I was introduced into competition really early, and um, and I loved it, and I was introduced into a team atmosphere. You know, the, mm -hmm. the camaraderie and the mission, and you know, everybody wants to to do one thing, and everyone's mm -hmm. willing to sacrifice, and so I just really really found in love with that aspect and so you know when i joined the marines after that that was um magnified at that point so after i got hurt in the marines and i joined hockey like it brought me back to that same atmosphere and so i i felt like i was at home um and you know for me competition is everything you know what i mean like um iron sharpens iron and so I feel like in order to be the best person I can be, I need to have the best people around me and we need to push each other. And I feel like that's what me and my brothers are doing. Um, and we're trying to just push that message, you know, that like, hey, we're going to help each other out. That's the only way we get better. And that's what I feel like sports has taught me throughout my whole life. Were there, was there a moment when you were pursuing those, uh, this, um, I believe, mission of yourself? Because winning a gold medal, that means that for years, on end, on end, you were thinking about that moment when you are going to achieve that. Was there a moment uh, throughout your journey when you're asking yourself, why Why do you even want to do this? Or did you always know deep in, into yourself why you wanted to pursue this? You know, when I, when I saw the gold medal game happen in Russia, in 2014, I had made a decision to myself that that's something that I wanted to do and be a part of. Mm -hmm. But it was a long, long, you know, treacherous journey. You know, I went through a divorce um, trying to become a gold medalist. You know what I mean? And so it was a, a lot of sacrifice. And, you know, I failed making the team three years in a row. And so there was a lot of times where I was like, why am I doing this? You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it was something, it was a goal that I had set for myself. And I, you know, I, I had um, put the burden on my shoulders that I was going to do this for people that couldn't do it. And so I thought that was going to be my answer. You know what I mean? And so, um, like I said, once I accomplished the gold medal, I was like, well, yeah, it was, it was great. But like, what did I do for myself? Being feeling empty and stuff like that. I was like, there's something else that I have to, to figure out. Um, and you know, I kind of did when I learned the value of my own story. Was your journey a selfish journey? Would you consider did you have to be selfish through your actions? In you know, order to, and I've been win? called that by my ex-wife. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, I mean, you, I, a few other people. Yeah, a few other people. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think you have to be kind of selfish for yourself. You know, you set your goals and a lot of people don't understand your goals and they want to, you know, kind of pull you into their, their story and you're over there trying to create your own. And so, um, yeah, at times you can be, pretty selfish, especially with your friends, your family and stuff like that. It takes a lot of time away. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to know what you want for yourself and Definitely. what's going to make you happy. Um, and, and in turn, whatever makes you happy is going to make everyone else happy as well. Yeah, because if you're not happy truly like inside of you, and if you don't love yourself, how can you love someone else? Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, I felt that throughout the whole journey, too, is that, you know, I did go through some depression and, you know, bad times, especially not making the team. And then, you know, who suffered from that was my ex-wife, you know, all the loved ones that I had close to me, because I did put so much work into it and I didn't see the results. So now everyone else around me has to feel the wrath of that. And so, you know, now it's it's a different it's a different aspect for me, you know. 
um, totally open-minded, you know, of the journey and the falling journey, in love yeah. with the journey. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm enjoying right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Throughout your journey, were you aware of the fact that it was all about the journey and not the destination itself? You know, like, you know, I, to be totally honest, I thought that the result was going to be my answer and it wasn't, but I was still in love with the journey. Like I've always been in love with the work ethic. That's where I feel at home, you know, um, making micro goals and then smashing mm -hmm. those micro goals and then continue to make other goals and, you know, um, surrounding myself with people that are like-minded and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, that I, I was in love with the journey, but I, did keep my eye on the result mm -hmm. and when I found out that the result wasn't really the answer I kind of had to revisit that and you know mm -hmm. I'm glad I did because yeah. I actually love waking up every day right now and and living life to the fullest mm -hmm. looking back in the past would you say that you have any regrets so far you know honestly for me um, losing my faith at the time um, that was pretty that was pretty big for me because um, like I said, I, I became very selfish, very egotistical, very, you know, self-driven. And um, and I think that's what led me down a, a dark path. You know what I mean? Because I'm putting so much stress on myself to, to accomplish these things and I'm not accomplishing it. So now I'm beating myself up um, for taking all that time and not accomplishing what I did. So I felt like, you know, yeah, it was it was pretty rough for me. So if you could go back in the past, would you change anything? Would you change the fact that you were selfish back then? I, I don't think I could because I had to learn that way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I learned my lessons the hard way. And um, and the fact that I had to learn it that way, there was there's no other way that I think I could have learned that lesson. Yeah. It's a really, really good mindset because we are in this moment because at some point, we have took some decisions. So if we took them differently, maybe we weren't being in this situation right now. Right, right, right. Would you say that this whole, as you said at the time, very selfish behavior was um, caused in a way by the fact that you were introduced into the Marines and you had to reshape your whole way of thinking? Would you say that has uh, had an impact on your the way you saw things? Well, you know, like being in the Marines and, and having a mission um, is a little bit different than, you know, your sports related goals. You know what I mean? Like when you're going to combat, it's life and death. And so that approach to my job, you know, I'm competing for my life, not just for life. Like I'm competing for my life and my brother's life. And so everything matters um, at a life and death at a life and death gravity you know what i mean and so being able to transfer that over into sled hockey like it was it was it totally helped me you know what i mean because at the end of the day no one's trying to kill me mm -hmm. and i get to do i get to play something that i love and um and so yeah a big part of that work ethic and you know the teamwork the the drive and you know um the brotherhood all that transferred over you know what i mean mm -hmm. you know i have 17 new brothers i lost a lot of friends in combat wow. and um you know i gained a lot of friends through hockey and being seeing that and, and understanding that and being grateful for that um has definitely you know turned that stone for me where it's not um let me feel bad for this because this happened to me it's more like i have the opportunity to do something better with my life and i, I better do that mm -hmm.
I know that you've been go, you've been through the war, so you've uh-huh. been through a lot. I was just thinking if you consider the world as being a good or a bad place. You know, uh, the way I describe it is going to war was like the best time of my life and the worst time of my life. Wow. This, you know, you know, there's no other way to do it. You know, experiencing combat with you know, guys that you consider your brother, but we're actually strangers. You know what I mean? A stranger willing to put down his life. Um, there's no greater love than that at the end of the day, you know, and I lost a teammate. And so um, it, it became very real to me very fast. You know, I was, I, I spent 14 years in the Marines and, you know, by my 10th year, I thought I was on top of the world. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, losing a teammate and then losing my legs, it, it, humbles you at the end of the day um and those experiences are priceless you know what i mean like that life lesson that you know life is that important like i said i had to learn it the hard way um so i can't say war is bad for me and i can't say it's good for me but i i can't say that i learned both lessons Right, very deep, very emotional. Jose, uh, do you have any regrets in your life at the moment? I mean, before I was, before, you know, when I wanted to kill myself, I was filled with regrets, to be honest. I was beyond regretful. Um, I regretted many, many, many things. Um, one of the things I regretted was, uh, you know, not doing what I felt God purposed in my heart. Uh, not pursuing the desires of my heart, not pursuing my dreams, um, not being a, a better brother, a better son, a better friend, a, all those things. I regretted it all, to be honest. And um, that's where I was at. Um, you know, I got out of that. And, you know, now I'm at a place where, you know, if you were to ask me, if you ask me that now, you know, I feel like, uh, no, you know, there's one regret I do think about. I do think about my uh, my cousin. He, uh, he hung himself, mm. and I didn't go to his funeral. And that's one of those things you can't change, um, but it's something I think about often. And it's not a regret that pulls me down. That's just it's more like a lesson that hey, when my family needs me, I need to move heaven and earth to get there. And um, that's just a lesson learned. But um, I think wherever he is, he now. knows that you are regretting, and he knows that. You want yeah, to go for there. sure. For sure. I feel like I have a connection to him now, you know, because I was there. I was right there with him. I was like, man, this is how, you know, this must have been how he felt. And um, and I do have a I do have a connection with him and I do go uh, visit him at the cemetery when I go back home. And, um, you know, it's, it's you know, it turned to regret to just something more beautiful. And, you know, it's all good now. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you were having regrets um, the period before you found your true self and start pursuing your true self. I'm very curious, uh, and I, I believe that our audience would be very curious to know, was it like a very long process to find yourself? Was it a um, case of acceptance? I mean, it's, a lifelong pro- it's a lifelong process, isn't it? Yeah, it is, isn't it? But was it there a moment that made you realize that Life is short and you might as well yeah, just... Yeah, when I, when I decided that I was going to live, that's when everything changed. And it was, I mean, it's almost, it was almost like instantaneous. 
Um, well, if I'm not going to kill myself and I'm going to live, it was, well, then I don't care what anybody else thinks because I'm right here by myself about to take my life. And regardless of everybody who loves me and they do that at the end of the day, it's just me and God, there's going to be nobody else. So I got to do what I have to do to achieve my dreams, the desires that are in my heart and to just be my own person Mm -hmm. without regard of anybody else's opinion. Mm -hmm. That was the, the awakening moment where, yeah, I know everybody loves me, but I got to do what's right for me. And that's when just everything, the whole attitude change where, Hey, if, if this person's offended, if that person doesn't like what I have to say, it doesn't matter because I got to look myself in the mirror every day. Nobody else, nobody else is going to, is going to be there at your darkest moment. It's all within. And once I had that understanding, that's when I was able to just say, look, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. And I felt like the world opened up for me. So yeah, sometimes you got to just hit the rock bottom in order to understand your mission and to truly understand yourself as well. Right. Yeah. Are you, do you consider that you are happy in this current moment? Are you happy? Yeah, this is the most happiest I've ever been, beyond a doubt. I feel like, uh, you know, like a kid, like a five or six year old. It's pretty, I feel like I'm learning all over again, too. So, yeah, it's kind of surreal. And sometimes it feels unreal. But um, I know what rock bottom feels like. And I know that to never head in that direction again. Mm-hmm. So, what yes, about- it's kind of awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. What about you, Ralph? Are you happy right now? Well, I'm extremely happy. Um, you know, just to have the opportunity to to you know to be here to be a part of this, and you know, just to you know, listening to people's stories and and um, knowing that we're actually making a difference like that just brings joy to my heart. And you know. Um, being around my teammates and seeing them want to, to achieve bigger and higher and, you know, helping them try to do that as well. It brings joy to my heart as well. And, you know, being closer with my family now, I've, I've never been this close to my family. I've never had those hard conversations with my family. And, and now that I can do that, you know, it brings joy to my heart. So yeah, I'm the happiest that I, I've ever been. I believe it's really hard as men because the society is just trying to build us as being very tough like without any emotions, heartless, not showing any emotion. This is how, what they teach us basically. So it's really hard to get over that mindset and to just- Yeah, it's super hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's super hard. And you know, um, you know, now that I'm 37 years old and I'm having conversations with my father, we can have those conversations, you know, those where I can see my, my father, you know, wanting to break down in front of me you know he still wants to be tough but he tells me how he feels now and so um you know that's a beautiful thing because he never did when i was growing up he was that that strong individual you know my mom's a strong individual keeps everything on the inside and so you know one of the conversations i had with my mom is is i told her i said um you know how was your relationship with your mother and so they had a one-way relationship and i said see that's what I don't want. Did you regret that? And she said, yeah, like I didn't know a whole lot about my mother. And I was like, that's why I'm asking mm-hmm. you these questions because mm-hmm. I don't want to have that certain regret. Um, and so you, being an adult now, that's pretty much what it mm-hmm. is, you know, um, taking ownership of, of how you feel and expressing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the people that really care about you are, are going to listen. Mm-hmm. Would you consider that 
society and the whole um, economical political movement that have been going in the last 50 years, especially, would you consider that that has had a impact upon the fact that we are more emotionless uh, and the fact that we tend to yeah, basically hide our feelings. Like we tend to not tell the, the closest people in our life how we truly feel. Would you say that society played a role in that? I think so. You know, especially at this, at this time, you know, everybody's concerned with being savage. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody mm-hmm. wants to be a savage. And um, at the end of the day, that's not the answer. Like people think that by holding all that and being, and being, a, being mad and, and, using that as strength, like that's where they think they, their heart should be. And, and I've done that, you know what I mean? So I know that's not the answer, at least for me. And so as soon as I opened up my heart and said, you know, Hey, um, it's not just about, you know, me, like there's a, a greater purpose. I'm here for a reason like that opened it up for me and, and being vulnerable. You know what I mean? Like that's a, once I was able to do that, like I threw it out there and I said, hey, no matter what, you can't say anything about it because I already said it and I've owned it. So sad being a savage wasn't for me. You got to be very disciplined and savage with yourself, but not with the people around you. Exactly. Yeah. Would you consider being rich as something selfish? No, I mean... Um... I don't think it's being, I don't think that's being selfish at all. Um, you work hard for what you get. You, I mean, like, for instance, like I didn't get to where I think, I, I think being rich isn't selfish, but you can be rich and selfish. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. So yeah, being rich in and of itself isn't selfish, but you can be rich and not help others. And that's selfish. Yeah. If you have a, um, a good impact towards other people's lives, then you're not selfish. But if you're only using the money to fulfill your pleasures, very cheap dopamine, then you're selfish, isn't it? Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think, you know, me me and my brother, brothers, you know, the more that we give, we, we realize that how much greater that feels. You know, like, why am I going to hoard everything? Um, the more I've, the, actually, the more I've given, the more I've received. Mm-hmm. So, and noticing that at this age is, is beautiful because I don't give... Um, not wholeheartedly, you know what I mean? Like I give with everything. I don't expect anything in return. And, and that's the way I want to live my life. I was reading something the other day and um, I'm not, I don't remember the author's name, but he was basically saying that when somebody hurts you, they don't hurt your emotions. They hurt your expectations of that person. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with this? I think I think so, you know, because a lot of people do get hurt by by what they expect from people. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, when you set those expectations and they don't get met, yeah, you feel you feel hurt by it. I know I I felt that way, you know, when someone's not doing what I what I thought they should have been doing, like I feel like um they're not there for me. What experience are you the most grateful for? The most grateful experience? Mm-hmm. For me, it was, you know, realizing that I was a child of God and that, you know, he's on my team and that um, if he's with me, that no one could be against me. And so now all my goals are just within, you know, within grasp. Um, And I think that's been the greatest thing for me. 
were you always a religious person or did you lose the connection? You know, with I God? grew up Catholic and I didn't like it. And then I was introduced to the church um, when I was in high school mm -hmm. and I fell in love with it. And then when I joined the military, I kind of like wavered away from it. And then especially after I got hurt, you know, I had a lot of resentment and, you know, I was like, why me? Like, I, I've been a good guy. I've done a lot of great things. And why would this happen to me? But it wasn't until I realized that all this had to happen in order for me to actually live the life that I always wanted to live. I remember being a kid wanting to be a professional athlete and not making that. And then, you know, all of a sudden, like I lose my legs and, and now I'm a professional athlete. You know what I mean? Like, what's the there's beauty in that. Like, I literally had to go through that to accomplish what I wanted as a child. And so um, recognizing that, you know, just takes me out of a, a bad place and puts me in a great place. Was it hard for you to recover knowing that you're going to live your life without having uh, your legs? Uh, extremely. Extremely. At the beginning, extremely. You know, like I said, living on top of a mountain, waking up in a hospital bed and then realizing you have no legs. Like, you think to yourself, what the F? You know what I mean? Like, what, what now? And then, you know, the depression, um, opiate addiction, you know, suicidal thoughts, all those things start running when I went through. And, um, and you know, luckily I had a great team around me. Like, my family was around me, therapists, doctors, mm -hmm. um, other wounded warriors. Like, I, there was great people around me because if I didn't have that, like, I don't know where yeah. I would have been at that point. Yeah. Um, And so I felt, I feel like that's what I've always done throughout my life is found a great group of people to, to surround me and, and, you know, create a mission and, and everyone fights for it. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Would you mind uh, telling our listeners the story of how you, you lost your legs? Uh, not at all. Um, you know, I was on my third deployment. Um, to, um, I, I was in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And a month prior, that's when I lost my teammate, J.P. Ewing. And so... Um, you know, I had to make that decision if I wanted to go back to work. And without a shadow of a doubt, I was like, I have to. Every man that would have been in that sh in those shoes would have done the same thing. And so um, one night I was doing my job. I was an explosive ordnance disposal technician, which in civilian terms is a bomb tech, bomb technician, you know, guys that take apart bombs. And um, I was on a mission. Uh, the guys in front of me had called up an IED, which is an improvised explosive device, which mm -hmm. was the leading killer. Mm -hmm in the war on terror. And so, um, I'm going up like any other day at the, at the office, you know, I, I walk up and, you know, I start to do my searches. Um, I notice that the place is a little bit more suspect for IEDs than where the guys that initially sent me. And so I get down, I start doing my searches and I take about 15 minutes and I'm thinking to myself, there's something here, there's something here, there's something here. And, um, so I'm just continuing to search and, At this point, I'm like, I can't give up, but maybe the best idea is for us to pull out. It was nighttime. It was two in the morning. I'm operating under night vision goggles. Um, and so I'm trying to get on the radio to relay to them that, you know, maybe this isn't worth the mission that we were trying to, to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, just a little break right here. This is about to get very, very deep and emotional, but... As always, if you're enjoying this, it would mean the world to us if you could actually take a screenshot of the time code where you're at and just share it on your story and tag us at GratefulAware. And also feel free to share. We are all one story. Uh, I'm 
more than sure that both Ralph and Jose would be more than happy to repost your uh, story and maybe get a conversation going with you now back to the podcast. And before I can even finish my talk on the radio, I look up and I see a guy walking towards me and he happened to be an Afghan National Army guy who had initially called the first bomb up. And so I guess he thought I was lost or like he, he was probably thinking, what's taking this guy so long to get up here? And so as he's walking back down, he actually functions the IED. And so he gets blown up and he gets thrown into the water and I'm closer to the explosive um, container. And so I get thrown through the air. Um, I land inside the shot hole and I'm looking up and I see dust and I see the moon, I see the stars. And I'm thinking to myself again, what the F, like what just happened? I can't really breathe. The first thing I do is I scream out, I'm hit, I'm hit, I'm hit. And, you know, at that time, everything's moving slow, but also at the speed of light. I felt like when my teammates pulled me out of the hole, like I was a rag doll. And they must have dragged me 80 meters away and started doing their, their, their assessments on me. And that must have seemed like seconds. Like, that's how fast it was going. And then once I got on the X and they started performing all the things, like, I just knew that I had to keep fighting. I had to keep breathing. Um, and I was very comical at the time, you know what I mean? Like I was going through a lot, but I was trying to make jokes with my teammates. Um, they started doing all the life-saving procedures. And during that time, like I can see myself slowly start fading. Like I knew my breathing was getting more labored and I was like, oh shit, like just make it to the bird. That's what I just kept telling myself, make it to the bird, which was the helicopter that was was on the way for me. And so, you know, my life flashed before me, you know what I mean? Like I was literally like my vision was going and coming back and then going. And then in each one of those phases, you know, there was, I thought about my dog. I thought about my mom. I thought about my girlfriend. Um, You know, I told myself, I was telling God at that point, like, I'm not dumb. Like there's so much more for me. Like, please don't allow, allow this to happen to me. And so during that whole moment, during all that time, you know, I'm just telling myself as well, just make it to the bird, just make it to the bird. Eventually the helicopter gets to me and, you know, they throw me on the helicopter. And as soon as I got on the helicopter, boom, lights out. You know, at that time, I don't even know what happened after that. You know, I did die in transport to, to the hospital, you know. And so, you know, like I said, there's been tremendous people. I've had a lot of help to get where I'm at right now. And, you know, there was doctors that would, they were able to bring me back and, you know, prosthetists, trainers, all that stuff to make me well in prosthetics and all that. And so, um, that's pretty much just what happened to me. Really appreciate Very you emotional. sharing everything. You have my respect, honestly, you have been through a lot. <laughs> How long was the recovery? Um, I'm still recovering, you know, like, like I said, we went to go play golf right now. I have no legs, so I have to learn how to play golf. I played golf, um, growing up. And so, um, you know, going on the golf course, trying to figure things out, like that's part of my recovery, you know, um, it gets me in a good mind, you know, my mind in a, in a good headspace and stuff like that. And so, um, I see that as recovery for me, Absolutely, absolutely. but initially to learn how to start walking, it took me about two years and then it took you know someone else telling me that hey you just have to man up and go for it and that I answered that call I threw my crutches away and I said hey I'm gonna go do this 
You know, I fell a couple times, got back up, kept walking, fell a couple more times, got back up and kept walking. You know, and three months later, I was walking without canes and people were like, holy crap, like, how'd you do it? And I was like, I just went for it. That's very powerful. I would be very curious to know, uh, how did you guys meet? Like, what were the circumstances of you two meeting each other? Actually, uh, I dated Jose's sister when I was in high school. So we met each other when I was like 16, 17. Wow. I was like 13. Yeah, thir he was 13. So, um, and then we just kept in contact the whole time. Even after our relationship didn't work out, like I just, you know, maintained that relationship with, with um, her family. And, you know, that was a lesson that I learned as a child. You know, my father left when I was really young. And I always thought to myself, like, just because the relationship with my mother, my mother and father didn't work out. Like, why isn't it that my relationship with my father didn't work mm -hmm. out? And I, so when I became an adult, I was like, I never wanted that, mm -hmm. you know? So even though I'm divorced now, like I still try to maintain that relationship with, you know, uh, my in-laws, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you know, her sisters and stuff like that, you know, her brothers, you know, it's just, that's just who the person I wanted to be. And I learned that lesson as a child. Were you always this close uh, with Jose or not really in the past? I mean, you know, yeah, we've been pretty close. I mean, but now it's different. Like I said, we've shared a lot of intimate details about our life, so it's a different dynamic. It's not just, you know, he knows a lot of things about me that most people don't. And, you know, we can talk about things like that. And so... Um, Unless you watch his YouTube video, then <laughs> everybody knows the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, Jose, yeah. what's the experience you are most grateful for? Um... You know, I was just thinking about that as Ralph was answering. Um, you know, I'd go back to God too, but it would be um, experiencing God's love through my family, um, through my sisters, um, from a young age, through my teens, through my time in prison, through my release, through my parole, to up till now, my sisters have always been there for me, and they've never, never let me down. Yeah, that's really important. It's really important to have the right people in your life when you need them, because otherwise, maybe we wouldn't be able to to get through the obstacles. Yeah, definitely. What would be one piece of advice that you would give to someone who's on their journey, doesn't matter how old, how young they are, and they are in that egocentric mentality where it's all about them? And they try to push people they care about away from them because they feel like it will slow their process down. They still care about those persons, but it just pushed them away. I mean, personally, I, I don't feel like I would I would give anyone advice. I would just tell them how what I experienced, because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that I know. And so I've experienced, you know, being very egotistical and very selfish and, you know, um, thinking that, you know, once I accomplish everything that I had set for myself, I was going to have all the answers. And then getting there and not having the answers. And then realizing that, yeah, when I open myself up and, you know, I start caring about the people around me and I start caring about myself and not the opinions about other people that um, that the world opened up to me in a different way, in an entirely different way. Um, it, I didn't have to wake up to try to impress someone else. Yeah. And so um, and I think, you know, when people do become egotistical, it's it's to do that to show other people what they're capable of. You know what I mean? They'll throw themselves through the ringer to, to prove to other people. At the end of the day, you only have to prove that to yourself.
Yeah, true. You can only like give someone an advice. You can't just like change them and it's up to them if they want to like take it or not. As much as I wouldn't really want to like destroy the vibe of the conversation, I really want to touch upon what is going on at the moment in the world and I would like to know your honest thoughts and how do you guys feel about everything that is going on around. I, I don't want to go very deep into any subject like the pandemic or the protests, but how do you feel about everything that is going on at the moment around the world? You know, it's a lot of change and it's uncomfortable. Change is super uncomfortable at the end of the day. And experience so much change in in such a short period of time, like it's going to cause unrest at the end of the day. And so personally, to, in order to, to come through that, I surrounded myself with positive people. Like we have a positive mission. And so no matter what's going on in the world, we know that we have a specific mission and we're trying to impact people's lives. And that is what's driving us through all this change and all this discomfort that's going on in, in the world and especially right now in the United States. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's where I'm at. How about um, you, Jose? I'd piggyback off of that 100%. Um, what I think personally what's going on in the world is uh, oftentimes what goes on in someone's own person, that there's change that needs to happen and oftentimes it's not pretty. You know, oftentimes it can be chaotic and it's conflicting and you have to re-question your values, re-question what you thought was right to move forward. Um, and I think as, you know, specifically as a nation and also as a world, that's what we're going through right now. And um, it's important that people know that they're not alone. And I think what we're doing, like we're able to stay focused and focus on our positive change through just simply sharing anybody's story regardless of where you're from, what you believe in, um, or anything else, that at the end of the day, your story still matters simply because of who you are. It's very empowering. Guys, I, I, I truly believe that we could go on and on Forever with different this. subjects, and I really hope and uh, uh, wish that the audience took a lot out of each of you, because uh, I did, and I'm sure that Bolta has... Took a lot as well. Uh, would you like to address the last question of the show? Yeah, of course. Uh, imagine that you are on your deathbed. And right next to you is the sitting, the best version of yourself. How would you feel about your life in that moment? Well, I wouldn't be looking at anyone. I'd be looking in the mirror. That's a really good answer. So, yeah. you know, my goal is that when I go... I'm content to take my last breath because I'm grateful for the life I had and I'm grateful to have done the things I did. So that would be my answer to that. Kind of intense, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good yeah, answer. The same, same for me. You know, that conversation would be in my head. You know what I mean? Like being content in my heart, um, knowing that, you know, I've done all the things that, that my heart has desired at the end of the day and that I brought as many people with me as I could. That's just, that's pretty much it. It's really important to accept who, you, who we are because we can always be better. We can always just raise the bar, but we got to like accomplish what we have done and accept that there only can, can be better. You're never going to be perfect. So that's right. the perfect answer. I would say just looking yourself into the mirror. And at the end of the day, like we had this with uh, other guests on the show, like, what is the birth version? Because, like, how can you define a birth version? 
how would that look? How would that feel? Because even if you like live 80 years or maybe 150 years, there's always room for more. So it's it's a very exactly. Question. You just got to make the you got to make the best of today and in the moment you're in right now. And then if you do that every day for the rest of your life, you are going to be the best version of yourself. Yeah, most definitely. Very powerful. Guys, I want to acknowledge both of you for what you've done so far, for your stories your as mission. individuals. Thank you. Uh, for the message that you are putting out there uh, every single day through uh, your brand and through the mission. And with that said, I would like to give you the opportunity to tell our listeners where they can find you. Once again, um, what you are doing briefly. Yeah. Uh, anyone interested in finding us, you can find us through our website, weareallonestory.net. You can find us on Instagram at weareallonestory, our YouTube channel, weareallonestory. Um, more importantly, if anyone's listening and they would like to share their story with us, to let us share it with the world, um, you can contact us through any of those platforms and we'll get back to you um, quite quickly. Yeah. You're going to have the links in the description of the podcast anyways. Thank you so much again, guys, for your time. We've just learned a lot from yourself again, and we are really grateful for the opportunity to discuss with you and to hear your story. Yeah, we're pretty grateful for you having us on your show. Your time is just as valuable as ours. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys. And to our audience, thank you for listening. And until next time, stay grateful. Mm -hmm.